0: Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us at Law Matters. We've been talking about this event for a couple of weeks now. We are at Wayne's Toys, and I want Wayne to tell us a little bit about his warehouse and, and what you do and what inspired you to buy all these cars.
1: <laughs> uh, good morning, Sherry. Thank you for being here. And uh, thank you also for the nonpartisan approach to communications that I, I read about. We really appreciate you. Thank you. Um, we've got about uh, 80 cars here. In Tucson, from really iconic vehicles to very rare vehicles, we have foreign, we've got domestic, we've got little microcars up to big, super 50s American cars, and um, something for everybody. Basically, it was a collection I started uh, when I retired, and, um, and it was supposed to be just one car that I was going to buy and take apart, because I'm the least <laughs> mechanical car guy in the world. And it ended up, obviously, being more than that, and I'm still the least mechanical car guy <laughs> in the world.
0: So, okay, what did you do before you retired? What was your job?
1: Um, I, w- I was in the steel business. We sold st- steel bars for manufacturing. You don't
0: say steel in front of a law enforcement officer. <laughs>
1: That's a good, he's talking about <laughs> the, the good, good steel. Kind. The good oh, steel. okay. <laughs> we spell it differently.
0: Okay. Yes. <laughs> so you, you did that, and how long have you been retired? Because this is quite a collection
1: We started, I think, we started in about 2014 or 15. So this was all in the last six or seven years. Wow! It's been, um, it's kept me out of trouble in in the city, and and and, um, it's just been a labor of love. I, I, I call it my my man cave, but it's really. Everybody appreciates it. Yeah, so people it, who, pe-
0: he does have a cave here too in the back. Batman's cave is we in the back. We have a bat
2: cave and the man cave.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Sure, this
2: is a this is a man cave on steroids that's, with that's, the amount of cars and the,
0: absolutely
2: uh, all the cool stuff in here.
0: Yeah, I we have to walk around afterwards and, and check everything out. I want to thank you for this opportunity. You're generous enough to let us do a, a fundraiser here and let everybody check out your cars, and as long as they don't touch them. Cross, the, uh, cross those barriers or s- try to steal them, we're in good shape.
1: I see some people here with badges and guns, so I'm sure your <laughs> guests will be good.
0: Inside and out. <laughs> so, well, thank you. I appreciate your, your assisting us it's with our bishop. My pleasure. Thank you. Okay, in the studio, we have Cochise County Sheriff Mark Daniels.
2: Good um, morning, Sherry.
0: On the telephone, we actually have... Uh, Yuma County Sheriff Leon Wilmot.
2: He goes by Woody.
0: Woody. Okay, we have Woody. And we want to explain why our. (laughs) (laughs) We want to explain why um, Sheriff Lamb is not here because we advertised that, so.
2: Well, Sheriff Lamb uh condolences for not being here today, but he's attending a funeral. A Maricopa County Sheriff's Office deputy was killed in Scottsdale last Wednesday, uh, Lieutenant Chad Brackman, which my prayers, thoughts, and condolences go out to him and his family and this uh, Maricopa County Sheriff's Office law enforcement family. So he'll be attending that funeral today so he could not be here. Uh, so uh, thank you to Sheriff Wilmont for stepping up and jumping in on this.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it. How are you doing over there in Yuma?
3: Keep him busy just like uh, Buzz is over there in Cochise County. Every day's been a, a new adventure.
2: <laughs> you no know, two days are alike, that's for sure. Sure, I gotta, tell you, I, gotta, I gotta tell you why we call him Woody. First of all, he looks like Woody from Toy Story. there's <laughs> I mean, it, seriously, and the only difference is he carries a gun. Woody didn't carry a gun in the Pixar movies, Toy Story. <laughs> But what we were, uh, Leon and I were actually in New Orleans. We met with the Homeland Security Secretary several, several years ago. And we were coming out, and there was a live news broadcast. And so I knew the, the host of the show, and he asked me, he goes, hey, Sheriff, can you jump on this show? And I said, sure. Well, Leon had gone to the restroom. He goes, hey, will the other sheriff jump on there? I said, sure, he'll jump on there with us. And, and he goes, what's his name? I go, it's Woody, Woodmo- Woody Wilmot from <laughs> Yuma, Arizona. And so when he walked back, and we, uh, we started right away, and so he, I did my part, and he goes, and with Sheriff Daniels is Sheriff Woody Wilmot from Yuma, Arizona? And Leon, the look on his face was priceless. And he goes, uh, that's Leon? And uh, so by the time he got back to Yuma, his staff had put posters up. And so that's his new nickname, Woody, and uh, he, he wears it proudly, I promise you.
0: <laughs> that's pretty funny.
2: <laughs> so, uh, let me...
0: good Lord. See what I have to deal with? <laughs> uh-huh. Only for an hour.
3: Well, I don't know know why Buzz Lightyear is a pair of Daniels. He looks just like Buzz, so it's a team effort.
2: But I can't fly. That's the only difference. I can't fly. Neither could Buzz either. I can't fly. Yeah. I want
3: to ask Are there any, uh, sounds like he's got quite the collection of uh, cars down there. He doesn't have any law enforcement old ones like we do, does he, uh, Buzz? I
2: I haven't got a chance to tour it, but uh, Wayne's going to take me on a tour, and, uh, Wayne, do you have any law enforcement vehicles? You Batmobile? the Batmobile? He's got the Batmobile, and they were like uh, action heroes.
3: Oh. Well, he, he, you need to show them pictures of uh, your restored uh, law enforcement vehicle and mine.
2: Yeah, like this is a, this is like being a kid in a candy store today for like you and I, Leon. So, yeah, I'm excited to do the tour here, and we're done here at 9.
3: Well, th- thank him again for his support for law enforcement. That, that's pretty
2: special right now. Well, I tell you, he, I, really, I just met him this morning, really nice guy. And, Sherry, we continue to thank you for all you do and putting the messages out there, the fact messages, not opinion so much as it is the facts. And that's what we're here going to share with you today.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I have to I have to ask you something, Sheriff Wilmot. In the news about two or three weeks ago, there was a, a former Marine that took down an armed robber in your county. Were you Absolutely.
3: Part- yeah, it's uh, did, did, pretty phenomenal did, what he uh, he did.
0: Did you put him on the payroll?
3: Uh, no, no, he was he was uh, working out at YPG, and we're still waiting to uh, hear what uh, what the situation is out there with the COVID uh, mandate on uh, taking the vaccine. But uh, he he enjoys being out there at YPG and doing all the testing and uh, on all that equipment for our military troops. So that, that's kind of his passion right now.
0: Well, good for him. But I, I saw that video, and that was pretty remarkable. As a Semper Fi
2: dude. <laughs> and I, I don't know if Absolutely. you know, Sherry.
3: Yeah, it was the Marine Corps birthday too. I was waiting for Buzz to call me and uh, wish me a happy birthday and sing a song, but he never did do that.
2: I, I know we're going to do it on the show today, but I don't know if you know this, Sherry. He's uh, Woody's actually a former Marine. So.
0: Well, Semper Fi. My parents were both Marines.
2: Yeah, and, and I served in the Army, so. Uh, uh, we got to have our Marines too.
3: So, Sherry, <laughs> make sure you speak slowly. You got an Army guy there. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Okay.
2: <laughs> you see what happens? Y'all see us in meetings. It doesn't most people don't understand it?
0: Been talking trash with each other. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. I want. I want to know. And we we told the people that are listening that we were going to talk about what's going on at the border. And I'm really glad you're on the show because you're at the other end of the border. Um, Mark is at this end of the border. How does it compare? Do you have the same issues? Is it different? What's going on?
3: Well, we have a mix of issues in Yuma County. The last federal fiscal year, there was over 114,000 apprehensions down here in the the southwest corner of the state and over 7,000 getaways. We've had uh, just our county 26 deaths as a result of uh, the unsecure border down here. Yeah, I I get questions every day about, are we concerned with the caravans that are coming up? But to be quite honest with your listening public, we deal with the caravan every day in Yuma County. So the apprehensions right now are at about 750 each day that we're seeing as far as the family units coming up. We're we're seeing a trend now where it's more single males and a few females, very few children. A lot of—106 different countries have been detected here, with uh, 17 of those from special interest countries that have ties to terrorists. So you're talking about Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, Uzbekistan, those those kind of countries. So it's a concern for us. And then on the eastern part of our desert, we're seeing a lot of the uh, individuals that are coming up at night, and these are the getaways that we're concerned with because of the amount of fentanyl, cocaine, heroin, and meth that's being smuggled up through the border and going to the interior of the United States. You know, the the recent release on information from the CDC was this last year has been an all-time high for the United States on overdose deaths with 75% of those deaths being fentanyl-related.
0: Over 100,000
3: over 100,000. So if you take that number, you're talking about 270 people dying every day in the United States from overdoses,
0: illegal drugs,
3: from illegal drugs, and the cartel are controlling every bit of the border. And I'm sure Sheriff Daniels will will tell you the same thing. It's it's scary that we have a Secretary of Homeland Security telling the, the United States citizens that the border is closed it's anything but closed in our eyes down here on the border
0: okay when they they stopped um i guess when joe biden took office they they stopped um stopping the people at the border did they leave a mess at your border like they did down in Cochise county where the wall was like almost done and it's just kind of a train wreck down there
3: it is. I mean, it, you have the wall that's, that's been up, but the unfortunate thing is you don't have the gate and you have all of this equipment just sitting out there, the lights, all the rest of the electronic sensor equipment, all of this stuff was stopped. So you can go 30 miles out in the middle of the desert, away from any civilization and see this large compound with all that infrastructure just laying on the ground. Being ate up by the uh, the environment is just a total waste of taxpayer money for this administration to do what they did and not further enable our border security experts to be able to have that uh, not only permanent infrastructure but the electronic infrastructure in place to deter and detect uh, the criminal element that's coming across in our
2: remote deserts.
0: What's going on down in Cochise County?
2: Well, uh, what Sheriff Wilmot says, I 100% agree with. And national sheriffs, western sheriffs, southwest border sheriffs, collectively have four objectives. Number one is public safety, which is your community safety. Second is national security, which is something we all should be concerned about. Uh, The humanitarian side of it is the third objective. And then we've added health. And Cochise County is no different uh, in the fact that our border is – a super challenge for local communities down there. To give you an example and to add on what Sheriff Wilmont's saying is uh, we have a 325 percent increase on the southwest border from last, the previous year with 1.7 million encounters. Mm-hmm. Something that um, I think is alarming is we've had 164 countries breach our southwest border uh, and 63 and percent are other than Mexican, which is – the Like Sheriff Wilmont talks to these countries of interest that should cause concern for everybody. And I'll, I'll give you some stats on drugs, the illicit drugs on the southwest border under the last 11 months. 180,000 pounds of meth, 86,000 pounds of coke, uh, 5,000 pounds of heroin, 10,000 pounds of fentanyl, and 311,000 pounds of marijuana. Now let me go back to fentanyl, meth, and coke. For a usable quantity, it's .005 milligrams, uh, and that's a deadly dose right there. So it just goes to show you what that's affecting our communities, our schools, and our families. Very big concern for public safety and, and law enforcement um, throughout the southwest border and beyond. Now, the Tucson sector, which is part of Cochise County, we lead the nation in getaways. These are people that uh, can't give up, like you see in Texas. These people are uh, aggravated felons. They're, they're, uh, they They can't. Get up or give up because they're going to be sent back. That's how bad they are. So we lead the nation in getaways with over ten thousand a month. I mean, and to give you an example, how bad that's gotten. My county, uh, in Cochise County, every month we get over one thousand drivers, smuggler drivers that come from Phoenix and beyond to pick these these uh, these illegals up. And, and to give you an example, I went out last week and we had one from Ohio, one from Wisconsin, and one from Michigan all coming down here because it's so lucrative. They get $1,000 per head, per head. So if you grab four of them, that's $4,000 driving from Cochise County to Phoenix, Arizona. So it just shows you the money behind this. And as a result of this, um, our our violent crime's up, our border crimes are up, our pursuits are up. We just had a 65-year-old female killed by a 16-year-old smuggler two weeks ago. She was heading to her birthday party to meet her family and son. She never showed up. Because the 16-year-old kid ran from law enforcement, we disengaged, and uh, 30 miles down the road, he was still driving over 100 miles an hour with uh, the illegals in the back that he was being paid to smuggle for. He ran through an uh, intersection over 100 miles an hour and T-boned the mom and uh, tore the car in half and killed her. Her son, the mom didn't show up. He started heading up back up the highway going back home and drove up on his mom's death. So I tell you, when you sit down and you speak to the, the, the families that are being affected, the home invasions, and talking to these family members, uh, to give you an example, how bad it is in my jail. In the first three months, we have just on border related crimes, we've had a cost of three hundred and fifty four thousand dollars additional, just because of the we're charging people for murder. We're charging for criminal trespass. We're charging them for a felony flight, reckless driving, you name it, um, and they're in our jails. But that's the cost to my citizens just in my county alone.
0: And people think that, you know, the border issue is your problem because you're the sheriff. You've got the border. Take care of it. But it's everybody's problem all the way from here to Canada, from coast to coast. All these drugs are coming through. Something that really struck me um, a month or so ago was the situation on Amtrak. Now, all our counties have the train tracks going through them. And it seems, and I don't know how true it is, but it, it seems that their security system is pretty lax. And if you can get on a train with drugs and weapons, you can go anywhere in the country.
2: And, and as a result, let's, let's go back to, this is, again goes back to public safety, national security, um, where you, you have these, and I'm just going to say how it is, these criminals, these thugs, with a record that was just charged for murder in California uh gets on the train with drugs and a weapon and then when DEA and uh, Tucson PD goes in there to do the right thing and to keep the other passengers safe we uh, have we have a, we have a uh, an officer killed so it does is it preventable you bet it's preventable you know the rule of law is something that has made this country great is it a perfect system of course not but it's kept our communities in order it's uh it's kept criminals where they need to be and, and a lot of times that's locked up because they're preying on innocent people. But when you defy the rule of law, this is what you have. You have officers being killed, you you have citizens being killed. And that's what Sheriff Wilmot, after you know, our thirty almost forty years of service in public safety and in the military prior to that, that's what we do. We take our oath very serious about that.
0: Yeah, and it's it's difficult to wrap my mind around the fact that all these drugs are coming in and they're so sneaky about it they have various ways of doing it through customs through you know illegal people they've used drones catapults (laughs) in the walls not stopping them Um, so what do you suggest what can we do as citizens what can we do to help you With your job?
2: Well, if you believe in the rule of law, public safety, national security, humanitarian, I want to hit on humanitarian for a minute. Uh, I know Sheriff Wilmont just spoke about his county. In Arizona, in the first 10 months of this fiscal year, we had 162 migrants die in the desert trying to enter our country through cartel smuggling. 162. Um, and that's very common in my county. It's like it is in Yuma County, Pima County, Santa Cruz, and beyond. Uh, Sheriff Lamb's County and Pinal, where when you're when you're out there talking to a family member because their loved ones have been left to die, uh, that's a real problem. And example of that in our county here a couple months ago, we had a smuggler bringing five up from the border. One fell ill. They left the smuggler left them behind. When, when uh, my house was, was on Sunday, I was out working with Border Patrol. We actually uh, grabbed the smuggler and the four illegals. And the one illegal said, hey, our friend's back there. We went back there, found him. Uh, We put him on a horse to bring him out to the highway. Uh, Halfway out, he said, hey, I can walk. We got him off the horse. He collapsed and died right there. I charged the smuggler for negligence and homicide, so murder. So he's in my jail for murder. So the consequences are coming through, like Sheriff Wilmont's efforts, uh, other sheriffs along the southwest border, my office, uh, where if we can charge him for a state crime, we will. If not... They go free. And if there's no consequences, I guarantee you it's only going to get worse based on the current situation. And going back to your question, Sherry, on that, we have to have collective messaging from the President of the United States, from the Homeland Security Secretary, from governors, from sheriffs, mayors. We all have to stand because our oath of office has one common thread protect americans protect our citizens the other thing is we need to prioritize our borders all our borders and then we have to have consequences for those that violate the the rules and laws of the land and last but not least is i keep saying this we need to have we need to invest in asylum hearing officers immigration officers and put them at every port of entry in this country 98 percent of the people that come in and claim credible fear can be addressed right there whether they stay in the country, or they're deported, and majority of nine out of ten would be deported, in fact, because they don't fit the, the protocol. Right now, what's happening is they come to the border, they claim credible fear, and they're led into the country without even a court date. They tell them to go ahead and report to a, the nearest immigration officer. We know, as well as uh, talking to our uh, our counterparts on immigration, they don't report. They're left. They go into the communities, never to be seen again.
0: So why don't they just close the border for now? Take care of mess that's out there, these people who aren't showing up for their their court dates instead of telling them, okay in, in 15 years from now I want you here at this time, that's not going to work
2: Well, it doesn't work and that's why we have 11 million, and I'll be honest with you, that's probably a, a, a very... modest estimate Yes, thank you, and it's probably double that right now, and when you look at 1.75 this year, and that's what we know of, so it's not a system that's working, it's a fracture system, but if you don't have the will to force the rule off law or the will to send the message that there will be consequences, uh, you're leaving this country very vulnerable. And we're seeing that every day in my county. And, and when I have a thousand people that are coming to my county every month to pick up illegals, and these people aren't, you know, mom, pop from church. These people are bad people. They are. They're coming down there. And 80 to 90 percent of them are armed right now. And that's the first time we've ever seen that. They're armed. A lot of them are impaired by uh, illicit drugs. Uh, their driving habits are horrible. They're reckless to the community. So, again, sheriffs are standing up against this, mainly because that's what our oath says we'll do. My job is to enhance the quality of life in my county and protect my citizens. And I'll yield back to Sheriff Wilmont on that question, too, for you that you had.
3: Well, sure. I'll just add on to that. that it, there's not a day that doesn't go by when, when you look at the vast numbers that are coming across the border, For example, yesterday I was down along the border, and I'm picking up passports from a number of different countries and ID cards, because a lot of these folks that the the mainstream media is reporting out there are coming from countries who have violence and they're concerned for their safety. That's the message that's getting out there by mainstream media. But the fact of the matter is that I'm picking up passports and IDs from individuals that have already fled those countries, moved and set up residence in a whole different country, but now because of the border situation that we're experiencing, they're leaving those countries to come into the U.S. They know if they get caught with that identification, they will automatically be sent back to that country where they reestablish residency. So a lot of this stuff is a false narrative that uh, the American people are being fed but the fact of the matter is much like last time where 80 to 90 percent didn't meet the criteria we're seeing that now too and they're using different names and claiming to be from that country that's experiencing the violence so it's concerning to us because you look at florida they just had a homicide down there where an individual was led into this country by the uh, this administration you've got uh, iron county sheriff in utah who just had an individual that uh, they've got in their jail because he he raped a a person and he was here illegally as well and they're experiencing large quantities of heroin going right to his county towards salt lake city utah so there's not a uh, county in the u.s that's not being impacted by what's going on on the border. And, that, and that's why Western sheriffs came out with a vote of no confidence against uh, Secretary Mayorkas.
2: You know, and let me add on to this too, Sheriff, if I could. The worst thing they ever did for, uh, for law enforcement and public safety is insert politics. Politics <laughs> yes. has no business in what we do. And we, our job is to go out there. I, I 37 years I've been uh, wearing a badge in, with honor. and And uh, uh, I've never gone up to somebody and said, hey, what's your political affiliation? That, that's just so unheard of. And, and unfortunately, so many things. I mean, you look at the recent Reichenhauer case, uh, that's being politicized now. Yeah. Folks, that's our criminal justice system at work. And the, the trier of facts, the jury members heard that case, heard the facts, heard the rule of law, what they can do and what they couldn't do, and made a decision. The criminal justice system is not a perfect system, but it's our system. And it works, uh, majority of time, if not, uh, high percentage. But to criticize that now because of a political affiliation or is just completely wrong, and it's it's a uh, it defies the criminal justice system, the judicial system that has made this country great.
0: And the people that are doing the majority of the criticizing didn't see the evidence.
2: That's exactly right. And so. and, and I was listening to a media uh, yesterday, and they were talking to the third person. That is, is it a sad situation all around? Of course it is. Of course it is. We lost two lives. But the bottom line is. The, the third person that was shot actually made the comment that in, in the trial that he actually raised his gun and pointed it at the, uh, the shooter in this case. Uh, that's by definition, is called self-defense. It truly is. Um, now, can we pick it apart? Well, why does this kid have a gun? Why is this? You bet, but uh, that's not our job. We all have an opinions, but we're not entitled to our own facts on that. So, again, we've got to get politics out of public safety. And personally, I think we need to get it out of health. If we can get it out of health, we're going to do better too, because that's what uh, erodes the trust in what we do on the, the vaccines and everything else.
0: No, oh, absolutely. In my situation, when with the Rittenhouse thing, I didn't even think about him, you know, being he defended himself. I didn't think about that. I was thinking, you've got a minor with an assault rifle and a mother who drove 40 miles or 40 minutes, whatever it was, to drop him off at the scene of a riot. Why isn't that mother being held for you know child endangerment?
2: Well, you, you, and again, it goes back to a parental decision of morality. I mean, why would you do that? I mean, I, I, I look back on my own life. And I couldn't imagine my wife and I taking our son to such an event and then give him an assault rifle or a, a rifle of any or a weapon of any kind. Any kind. And say, hey, have fun, son. I, it doesn't make no sense. And, and you make a thing. But one thing I, I'll say on that is, and I have situations like that after 37, years, 40 years of law enforcement, that we're not the morality police. Reinforce the rule of law, and based on the facts, and based on what the statutes say we can and can't do.
0: And then with that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back on the other side.
2: Colleen here, a volunteer with Pima County Search and Rescue. If you see a horse or mule on trail, please give way. They don't need to be spooked and are probably on a rescue mission. Saving
0: lives means staying informed. Knowing the dangers of using counterfeit prescription pills can help those you care about and keep our community safe. As a parent, educator, neighbor, or friend, we all play a role in building safe and healthy futures for ourselves and our loved ones. Do your part. Take the first step today. Visit GetSmartAboutDrugs.com to access education, prevention, and treatment resources. Counterfeit prescription pills laced with fentanyl are deadly. Be their protector. Be informed. Visit GetSmartAboutDrugs.com. Please tune in to Law Matters live show every Saturday morning at 8. Hi, this is Sherry. On our next show, we will hear from both the Arizona Rangers and 88 Crime. And we want to hear from you. The on-air number is 790-2040. That's Uh 790-2040. All of us at Law Matters want to thank you for supporting our show. Your support truly makes a difference. Law Matters podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and lawmatters1030.org.
1: Law Matters was created to open the lines of communication between law enforcement and you. 1030 in police code means excessive use or unauthorized use of the radio, something we do with each podcast posted to iTunes and Google Play. Hi, this is Rich Tracy inviting you to join our conversation and asking you to support our mission. Please go to lawmatters1030.org to contribute. No amount is too small.
2: To report suspected human trafficking, please call the National Human Trafficking Resource Center at 1-888-373-7888 or text HELP or INFO to 233733. To learn more about Homeland Security investigations and our efforts to combat human trafficking, please visit our website at www.ice.gov. Or check out the DHS Blue Campaign at www.dhs.gov slash bluecampaign. For more information on the Southern Arizona Anti-Trafficking Unified Response Network, please visit us at www.saturn.org or find us on Facebook.
0: Thank you for staying with us. Uh, As a reminder, our guests today are Yuma County Sheriff Wilmot and Cochise County Sheriff Daniels, and we're talking about different situations that affect the border and I have a question for you. I I know that we had a, a local person who was nominated for the commissioner position for Customs and Border Protection. Did they ask the sheriffs on the border who work with these people for a recommendation, or did they just go to the senators and say, who who should we pick?
2: They didn't ask me. I can tell you that much, and I'll yield to Sheriff Wormont in case there was a conversation there.
3: No, there's there's been no conversation from the uh Administration, nor are any any of our senators or
0: reps. So, do you agree with the the um, nomination?
2: And let me say that on behalf of National Sheriff Association, I chair Border Security for NSA. Uh, absolutely not. Um, we actually did an interview with Sheriff our Chief Mangus here in Tucson. Uh, that was a committee made of sheriffs from Western and Southwest border, and my. Um, members of the uh, National Sheriff's Association, to include our president, Vernon Stanford, out of uh, Ohio. And I, I tell you, I, I wish the American people could hear that interview, because when you look at a position where you, you're going to oversee 60,000 men and women, and you have a border that's in uh, chaos, crisis, whatever you want to call it, uh, and you got the morale so low, and then you got this individual that, I'll just say this. I mean, his number one thought was he'll do what the President of the United States tells him to do. And I get that. He's appointed. But you still have to lead 60,000 men and women. And if you don't do that, I mean, it's going to get worse. So NSA opposed him. And I know Western opposed him. Uh, I believe Southwest did, too. uh, I know Arizona sheriffs opposed him, too.
0: Right. Yeah. So who would you have if you were... In the position to nominate somebody, who would you pick?
2: Well, they had Rodney Scott, Chief Rodney Scott. He was a good friend of Chief Wilmot and myself, and many, many sheriffs throughout the country. Uh, proven leader with CVP. Uh, just a, you can have, a, he's approachable. You can have a conversation, and he and he led the troops by respect. And uh, and they, this administration let him go here about four or five months ago, and I tell you that was disheartening because he was such a leader for CBP. So now they have Chief Ortiz in here. I don't know much about Chief Ortiz. Him and I have worked on a couple things together. But again, you had a proven leader there. Uh, Chief Ortiz, he's been in the system a long time. But going back to the commissioner, these were chiefs of Border Patrol. Now you go back to the commissioner. All these proven leaders that have spent their life at DHS, Department of Homeland Security, or Border Patrol, CBP, I mean, all the proven talent up there, that understands not just border security but economic trade, all the things, TSA, all the things that fall under DHS, Homeland Security, there's a, a lot, a lot of talent out there that should have been looked at because uh, you need somebody to lead it. No offense, and I even made this comment, Sherry, I'll say it to you. If somebody walked up to me, and I've spent 37 years on this border, and I'll tell you right now, if they said, Sheriff, we'd like to have you lead DHS. I don't have the qualifications to do that. I just don't. Uh, I I didn't grow up my life in a a homeland security. Uh, That needs to be somebody, like I said, that has a proven track record with their organization. That's my opinion on that. Sheriff Wilma.
3: And I I believe not only myself but the rest of the sheriffs would be in agreement with uh, Sheriff Daniels on that, and that's why we all oppose Chief Magnus for that position. He he doesn't have that that leadership ability to be able to uh, take on that position. Uh, I've heard from a number of people, including the former sheriff of Pima County, Sheriff Napier. He he even said, you know, Chief Magnus is a a nice guy when you meet him in person, but he doesn't have the qualities and the qualifications to, uh, to run that position.
0: So what does the public need to do to influence that nomination? Or is it too late?
2: Well, I would say this. I mean, we have two elected U.S. Senators here, Senator Sinema and Senator Kelly, that have a strong voice in this. And, and they know. They got letters from all the sheriff organizations, national, western, southwest border, Arizona sheriffs, that are speaking against the nomination of uh, Chief Mangus. Uh, now, the public, if they believe in it, support that they need to come call their uh, elected reps we, one thing we uh, scares me is elected officials forget who they work for sometimes we work for it the people that way, yeah. truly we work for the people and we need to make sure we're hearing and listen to the people and i understand that being elected for nine years it some of the conversations are tough sometimes you we get beat up and sometimes we just need to listen though and uh and remember who we work for and that is the people in our communities
0: yeah, you know, sometimes somebody will look at, fabulous on paper, but in reality it might not be that way. And it, it just bothered me when I read that that they nominated him, said he was exceptional, but there was no conversation in here about we talked to all the people that have to work with him and they, they unanimously said, Hey, he's a great guy when it was totally opposite.
2: Well I would add this little flavor thought. The Arizona A COPS, they call them Arizona Chief of Police, they did not endorse him for this position. His own colleagues did not endorse him either. So when you look at that, and uh, it, it would be nice if our, our two senators would ask asked us, Sheriff what, in Arizona, they saw the letter from us, but let's talk about it. I mean, uh, listen, it's not about personality. This is about professional leadership. And uh, and he is. I've met Chief Mangus. He's a nice guy. I, I don't want to be ill toward that thought. But this is a person that's got to lead our nation's homeland security into the future in a time of Great challenges, something we haven't seen in decades. So, yeah, you want the right person there.
0: What about the governor?
2: Well, I'll start off on that one. And and I've had very good relationships with Governor Ducey um, when it comes to this border. I I know he's very frustrated. He feels like he's been ignored when it comes to this administration and our border. And I can't explain I'm not going to speak for the governor on that, but I can tell you what I can't speak to what the governor's done for us here in Cochise mm-hmm. County uh, and the state legislative folks. You know, when the federal government is stepping back and saying, "Hey, we're taking a different approach on border security," and we're seeing the impact in our state and our communities, the governor has the obligation and I believe the expectation to step up and do some. So, to give you an example, in Cochise County, uh, we're getting 3.7 million dollars for more deputies, equipment, vehicles, drones. Uh, another 1.1 million dollars for cameras and these cameras are already are deployed from Cochise County all the way to the California state line with Sheriff Wilmot, all the way into New Mexico. We've been asked to come into Texas. This is a great system. Uh, it's a local initiative system with sheriffs. We have 14 different partners that work these cameras. But, again, the state's coming up and saying, hey, we're going to help you support and sustain that program at $1.1 million. Another $675,000 for artificial intelligence. And what that's for is defi- decipher between animals and humans. We're getting so many photos on our camera system. The deployment of National Guard. I have 32 National Guard in my county. Uh, 18 of them just work my camera room, and that camera room is for all Southern Arizona and into New Mexico. Um, we're looking at the governor that like I told you before: $354,000 in border security jail cost right now since the first three months, and uh, and we've gone through 53% of my patrol overtime. The governor's going to uh, reimburse us for that, That's
0: and then cool. uh, we're
2: looking at a collective. Uh, center in Cochise County for our fusion center which is our intel center which are working with a program with national sheriffs uh, our camera room our specialty teams our financial crimes team all the different things that bring border security um, what I call interdiction and um, public awareness so the governor's willing to buy us a, a facility and help uh, support that facility for us so I, I'm going to give a shout out to Governor Ducey for working with us and working with uh, others to do his part and uh, we could have done this without him
0: yeah protect arizona protect all of us uh, i think that's amazing that that camera system is going to go in are requested to go into texas too
2: it is we've been asked to go to texas it's a, it's a beautiful system I, sheriff wilmot we have it in his county working with sheriff wilmot on that but i want to say this you know all the money that we're doing to address border we're not immigration officers we don't have immigration authority so we're, we're doing everything we can to keep our communities safe but here in a time where the borders at the one of the worst crises we've seen since maybe the '90s, the federal government, Congress, bless their hearts, and I say that with cynical tongue, they cut CBP's budget by one billion dollars for 2022. They cut it nine hundred sixty million dollars if you haven't seen that already. And uh, as you move into next year, oh while God. you're giving money for all the uh, the BB Build Back Better, the infrastructure, and now you're going to go ahead, and, but you've ignored border security. That's frustrating. It's a morale kick to our agents down there on the border, our officers on the border, and uh, but they cut their budget just under one billion dollars coming up,
0: and that's both borders. That's a lot. That's,
2: that's a lot of money. I mean, it's a lot of money. They, mm-hmm. it just it tells you that it's almost like hey, here's the final straw. Here's what we're going to do for you now. They should be adding money to them to help them. They're understaffed.
0: So how is that going to affect your your uh, county sheriff, Wilmot?
3: Well, the, you, you know, you talk about the amount of money that they uh, cut from the uh, Customs and Border Patrol. They, they also cut over $1.5 out of ICE. So, And right now when you look at Border Patrol agents where 80% of their staff are, are sitting in a building doing processing because they're inundated with the current situation on the border trying to process people into the United States with no hearings, there's hardly any Border Patrol agents out on the border, and that's leading to uh, the situation that we're dealing with now. And what's concerning is you, know, you look at the health aspect for all of the United States, you're looking at an administration who's going to look at terminating right now over 5,000 Border Patrol agents because they don't want to take a vaccine, but yet this same administration has released anywhere from 1.7 to 1.9 million people into the United States to travel on either a plane, a train, or a bus without mandating that they have the vaccine. So it's concerning to us that this administration would have that mindset to think that that's okay to further expose U.S. citizens to uh, not only COVID, but a vast number of other diseases that are communicable throughout the U.S., from all these different countries, we're talking about tuberculosis, scabies, and everything else. And the other aspect of this is they're not doing DNA to ensure that these kids are actually the kids of these individuals. We've known from the past that individuals were using kids to get across, to portray themselves as a family unit. And our border patrol agents actually detected the fact that these kids were being used.
0: Yeah, they'd appear more than once with you know, you know various family and, members. and that's the
3: for us. And, and thank you for giving us this time to educate you know your listening public because so often you know we do interviews with uh, national media throughout the U.S. and you get interviewed for thirty minutes, but yet you get a thirty-second sound bite that doesn't even cover the totality of the impacts to our communities and other communities throughout the U.S. on this current uh, political and uh, personal ideology that this administration has put into public safety.
0: We had the uh, Customs and Border Protection um, field director on, and he said that a lot of the kids that they're talking about being held in these facilities aren't being picked up by their parents. Their parents don't want to pick them up. They're relying on third-party charities, you know, Catholic charities or whatever charity, to transport these kids to wherever they need to go in America. And the parents will not come and pick them up, and the kids are just stuck there until they can get through that red tape to be either transported to their parents here or a relative here or be sent back to Mexico. He said it's, it's got nothing to do with, you know what they're claiming in the news
3: Well, and you just look at the other ancillary impacts that we're seeing in our local communities, I mean, it, it was hard enough when this started again and, and we had warned Mayorkas and actually gave him a 16-point plan for success on securing the border from all the sheriffs on the, along the southwest border because of the vast knowledge and uh, experience that we all have dealing with the geographic areas And that was completely ignored by Mayorkas. In fact, he even forgot that we gave it to him in El Paso. But that was the same time that he also uh, terminated uh, Sheriff Daniels, who was actually a sitting member on the Homeland Security Advisory Council. So from the very beginning, it, it looked like Mayorkas was there to dismantle all the successes that had been done through the open lines of communication with DHS. And it's just further gone down.
2: I'll add on to that. Uh, I was the first sheriff to be appointed to the Homeland Security Advisory Council, and I was the first sheriff to be terminated from the Homeland Security Advisory Council. So <laughs> there's there's two thoughts there. But let me just say this, and this is something I shared with uh, Secretary Mayorkas. I, I had not known him. I do not know him until he was appointed there. Um, he was the first secretary, and this is the first president, to ever dismantle Homeland Security since 9-11 occurred. So, they're appointed by different presidents and different administrations, but no president or administration has ever dismantled it. Uh, President Biden and Secretary of were the first ones to do that. And I called him on that. I said, listen, in a time where the border needs more guidance and advisory, especially from locals and community members that are living it and dealing with it, why would you do that? And he made a comment. He goes, you don't think we have the authority. It says nothing to do with authority. It has nothing to do with authority. It has to do with what is needed, what we need to do to secure our borders. And, uh, and at this time, the advisory council still has not been imp- re-implemented as it sits there. So, again, you look at the totality of everything going on on our border, and I asked the question here a couple of weeks ago with Sheriff Wilmont and a handful of other sheriffs met with Secretary Mayorkas again, and I asked the question to him, back to sitting right in front of me, what have we resolved by these meetings? And the second question, let's be completely honest, do we have an open border policy? He didn't answer either questions to me. So, again, it goes back to respect. Listen, um, we all might not agree with things, but in positions of leadership, being elected, we have a due responsibility to respect our oath of office and to respect the people we serve, even when we don't disagree, Uh, even when we we disagree, excuse me. And um, that's been blatant over the last 10 months working with Secretary Mayorkas, which is a result of the the Western Sheriffs coming out with a vote of no confidence against him.
0: Well, that's pretty remarkable. I'm congratulations on being the first, in the first.
2: First and first, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. I, I yeah. mean, you got, you got to laugh about it because I keep saying this. You know, they keep saying we got a border crisis. You know, we have a health crisis, and uh, and I keep saying this. This goes beyond a health crisis. Goes beyond a border crisis. Uh, goes on. Goes up beyond a scrutiny on law enforcement. This is a political crisis now in our country politics has now entered the crisis realm it really has i mean you look at anything we're doing right now and what what ideology of politics is going to play out in that discussion let's get rid of the dang politics and what we do and we can get back to normal we really have to and i and we need we need leadership from the president of the united states all the way down to our communities that actually can find the balance the, the bubble in the middle and if we can do that we're going to move forward
0: like it used to be
2: yeah like it used to be and granted we'll never always agree but we have to we have to have balanced leaders not the extreme right not the extreme left but balanced leadership that is truly there to serve the people and they're not and let's face it it's a give and take in life it truly is and if you always want to take and that's what we got right now hey we're going to take it all on both sides uh we got a mess we've got a mess absolutely
3: yeah I, we do i, I mean it, it's you can look at our senators right now. I mean, they've not been engaged with law enforcement as far as any border sheriff that I'm aware of. And that's concerning for us when you're talking about the Build Back Better plan that's coming up, that they're looking at having to vote on that the House has already passed. So the the fact that there's over 10 million individuals that are here in this country illegally that they are looking at giving amnesty to their are There's just a number of things in that bill, but nothing is being addressed for border security at all in that bill back better. They're actually looking at giving individuals that have entered the country illegally $3,500 per child. And when you ask what is the draw that's causing this, and that's why they sent the uh, vice president to all these different countries to uh, determine what the draw is. well. When you have an administration talking about how much money they're going to give these individuals when they come across illegally, it's concerning. That's what the draw is.
2: And I'll add on to that, being a veteran myself and, and uh, from the Army and i Sheriff sure from the Marine Corps, is the fact that once we take care of every American, especially our veterans, our, 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 our youth, our children, our senior citizens, and every American has had the opportunity to, to progress and be taken care of, then we can start helping others. But we got and we're a country of humanitarians. I 100% support that, agree with that. But what's going on in this border only turns on the neon light. Keep on coming. Keep on coming. So I, I coach wrestling for the high school down in Sierra Vista, and we have kids that can't even afford to eat on my team that we help out with. And this, this is just hard for me to swallow. I'll just be honest with you. It's really hard.
0: Well, charity starts at home. That's what yeah. I was always told true and yep. you want to take care of take care of your people and yeah. you know it doesn't seem like it's happening you
2: know and I'll add this to you sherry is you know if we have and I just saw a survey that they uh, sheriff Wilmont can maybe uh, we did a they did a survey a national group did a survey where there's always that story where those in the country illegally are afraid to contact law enforcement to report yeah. the crime yeah. you've all heard about those stories well I was very impressed here about six months ago I was at a uh, conference and a meeting and this lady that is part of a research firm, they actually did this huge survey with those that both Americans are citizens and also those here in the country illegally. Do you know that illegals report crimes more often than Americans do?
0: No, I didn't know that. That is
2: a true statement. I thought it was uh, yeah. an eye-opener because that the, the thing, well, well, we, we can't uh, we don't want to scare them. We want to make sure they're protected. Again, they reported more crimes th- than Americans do, by um, that's relevant.
0: So that is relevant because they they claim that you know this isn't happening because they're afraid of you, they're afraid of anybody wearing a badge, and that's,
2: that's not clearly true. not the case. It's not the case, and that study's out there, and and so when you hear politicians say that, well, we have to do this, we need a sanctuary city so we can make sure they're protected and they feel confident to call. Oh, they're already calling. I promise you, they're already calling based on this survey, and it was a real eye opener for me. It was a good eye opener. I. I I don't care if you're in the country or not. If you've been a victim of a crime, we need to investigate it and take care of you. And sheriffs have authority where if you're a victim of a crime you're here in the country illegally, we can actually protect you under immigration status. We can put the paperwork together. And I've done a handful of those kind of cases. So if you have somebody that's been in a stash house that's been sexually assaulted, we actually protect them in this country. Uh, and I know Sheriff Wilmont's probably done the same. So, again, there's measures in place that sheriffs are already working, are already doing.
0: Yeah, if you're a victim of, of human trafficking or sex yes. trafficking or, yes. you know, any any situation that you know is illegal in our country, call the sheriff. Call call 911 and get some help. There's organizations out there that will help you, too. Once, once the paperwork is completed, they'll make sure that you stay safe. They're not going to put you back in a dangerous situation.
2: That's 100% correct. I've never heard in my tenure, a law enforcement officer saying, well, they're not from the United States, they're not legally here, uh, so we're not going to take care of them. I've never heard that, and and I'm telling you, it's law enforcement are very passionate people. Do we have our rotten apples? Of course we do, but I'd say 99.9% are out there doing the right thing for the right reasons and for people. Absolutely.
3: Oh, absolutely, I, I can agree more. You, you just look at our current situation on the border, where these individuals have been traveling for two, three months and been victimized, whether they're children or, or women. And once they get into the United States, they've, they've actually reported these rapes and uh, assaults. You know, We've had to uh, incorporate our enforcement into ensuring that they get with our family advocacy centers and that they're linked in with HHS to make sure that they get that proper counseling even though it happened in a whole nother country, it's incumbent upon us to ensure that the uh, individuals are taken care of and they're not neglected. And we see that in our local community here. And we've had that happen. So, you know, as far as compassion, I mean, law enforcement, nobody wants this in their backyard. And nobody wants to see people victimized. And, and that's what the cartels are doing. They're just exploiting every mile of the international boundary. Each and every one of those 1.7 million are now into indentured servitude, because not all of them can afford $6,000 to be smuggled across into the United States. And if you're from a special interest country, you're talking up to $20,000 to get smuggled into the United States. Wow. there's, There's a large exploitation that's being conducted by the cartels, and this administration is not targeting that fact. And that's concerning for us because our our federal government's been turned into a transportation hub for the cartels to further get individuals into the united states
0: okay we only have like two minutes left um are you hiring out there in yuma county
3: we actually have about two openings we've been pretty fortunate for the the sheriff's office i know the pds are still looking for law enforcement as well but uh and we got a community that supports our law enforcement partners but you know, if, if you see a Border Patrol agent out there, thank them for what they're doing because they're, their morale is significantly down under this current leadership. And with all the, the changes that this administration is putting on them and restrictions, they're, they're, they're fighting a losing battle, but they're still at it
0: each and every day. Makes know? it difficult. Yeah, Sir, it Daniels, are you hiring?
2: Yeah, we are. We're, we're like, you know, I'm just going to throw this out to you. 88% of all the police in this country is rural. Rural America is doing a very good job with this policing. Only 12% is the urban areas, like the Tucson, Phoenixes, and people kind of flip that around, think it's the urban. No, they're only a, they're a very small percentage. We look at the big big picture here, so we, we're we're doing really well on hiring too. So we're, we're in good shape. I, I will leave you with this. Number one is we got to make the cartel a terrorist organization. They're, they're horrible, and they're destroying this country. Number two is, I, I promise you, and I commit to and I commit to my citizens, and I commit to uh, my state here that we'll never give up hope. Sheriff Wilmot, and I work diligently to do the right thing. Uh, mm-hmm. keep our keep our community safe. And uh, Sherry, thank you for letting us share our frustrations a little bit here and also the facts of what's going on. And uh, thank you for all your support that you give law enforcement.
0: Well, thank you for being here. And I want to thank Wayne for letting us use his warehouse, Geneva Financial, Diamondback Shooting Sports, and Pioneer Title for helping support this event. And until next week, shop local, stay safe, and thank you to everybody who's staring at us. <laughs> Hi, this is Sherry. On our next show, we will hear from both the Arizona Rangers and 88 Crime. And we want to hear from you. The on-air number is 790-2040. That's 790-2040. All of us at Law Matters want to thank you for supporting our show. Your support truly makes a difference. Law Matters podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and lawmatters1030.org.